It's the Chronicles of Aguna. Welcome back to our transfer show. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. And on this edition of the podcast, we're going to be discussing the latest with Andre Onana. Now, we talked about it around about eight, nine days ago now that Arsenal were interested in bringing the Ajax goalkeeper to the football club. However, he was, of course, still banned. He is still banned. Uh, having uh, breached the doping rules, uh, he insists that he took uh, some medication by mistake. Uh, but it's been announced today that the Court of Arbitration for Sport have decided to reduce that ban uh, from 12 months to nine months, which means that Andre Onana would be eligible to compete again in November. He'd be able to train from September so all of a sudden, the outlook on Andre Onana and how sort of worthwhile and the viability of that signing uh, seems a lot better. So we're going to be discussing Andre Onana. We're going to be discussing whether he'd be a good signing for Arsenal. We're going to be discussing lots and lots throughout this show. Uh, Xander's just pointed out to me in the chat that Matteo Genduzzi has posted something as well that might be giving us a little bit of a hint about his future. So I'll be sure to check that out during this live stream as well. It's a great thing about doing it live, right? Things can change, but you can adapt in the moment. First of all, I want to apologize uh, to those of you who were waiting for the show to start uh, a few minutes earlier and I got a little bit delayed. I was doing a piece of work that I didn't think would take me as long as it did and I can't sign out until I finished it. So I was uh, desperately trying to get that done in time uh, to jump onto this stream. So if I'm looking a bit flustered, if I'm sounding a bit flustered, if it's a bit all fucking over the place, uh, then bear with me because um, I have literally had zero time to prepare for this podcast. Uh, I can see lots of you with the Onana chance in the chat already. And and let's kick off with that story, right? Let's, let's focus on that one for a little bit. We'll look at uh, what Matteo Genduzzi has posted shortly as well. But let's begin with the big news regarding Andre Onana. And I do wonder, you know, what kind of people's opinion is on this. And I'd like to hear from you guys because, you know, you when you think about somebody like Andre Onana and what he's been banned for, you kind of it, it kind of sets off alarm bells, doesn't it, in your mind? You're, you're looking at a player who's just been done for a breach of doping rules. Obviously, UEFA felt that this was severe enough to dish out a punishment of a 12-month ban from all competition, by the way. He's not even allowed to train. So is there a kind of, is there a bit of you as an Arsenal fan that feels a little bit worried about this? Was it a genuine mistake? He wouldn't be the first player who's taken something that, you know, wasn't supposed to be or, or wasn't what he thought it was, that took something by mistake uh, and ended up, you know, alerting the authorities when he went for a random drugs test. 
I'm not saying that it wasn't an accident. I just wonder how people feel about this and if people, um, you know, are buying that story, first of all. Looking at Andre Onana, he is the typical modern day goalkeeper, right? Very comfortable with the ball at his feet, perhaps not as dominating as some of the other goalkeepers as some of the more traditional goalkeepers. And I always talk a lot, don't I, about um, that I have a preference, a very strong preference when it comes to a goalkeeper with regards to their style. I want to see a goalkeeper who is that little bit more commanding, who's a little bit safer. But the reality is that football's moved on. And I'm just being an old man when I say that, because what managers look for in a goalkeeper nowadays, as much as anything else, is that ability to receive the ball at their feet, to take a touch, to be able to bring the ball, um, you know, to, to play on the edge of their box comfortably, to pick out teammates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, you know, there is lots and lots of... Um, things that you need to consider nowadays and it's you know it's it's, it's very different you know it's it, it's very different and sometimes i think for me i find it hard actually to 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 kind of keep up with the times to kind of switch off from what i believe a goalkeeper should do and what his biggest strengths should be and look at what a manager nowadays believes that his biggest strength strengths should be so Somebody like uh, Mikel Arteta, who puts a big emphasis on his team playing out from the back, will undoubtedly look at what a goalkeeper can do with his feet. And for me, you know, it's um, it's it's hard to get into that mindset, but I get it. I get it. And I think when you think about that, when you consider uh, the profile of Andre Anana, the fact that he's available in this cut price deal for a number of reasons. First of all, because, of course, um, he was banned. Uh, which obviously made his his value dip. You know, you you sign a player, you want him to be able to play for you. And Andre Onana at this moment in time cannot play. So that obviously impacted on his value. Secondly, Andre Onana's contract situation at Ajax means that at the end of next season, he'll be able to walk away from the club on a free transfer. And to give you an idea of just how cheap, because there've been reports that we're looking to do this for less than 10 million euros. And I know you've got to consider in the COVID-19 pandemic, all of those factors in the current financial states of the clubs all trying to do business at the moment. But Andre Onana, according to Transfermarkt, and I know that Transfermarkt is not the Bible, right? It's not bang on all the time. It's not 100% accurate. It's not always um you know, on the money in terms of valuations, but they value in, they value Andre Onana at just shy of 30 million pounds. So if Arsenal were able to get this goalkeeper um, for less than 10 million pounds, it feels like a, a real bargain. feels like a no brainer. Is he an upgrade on, on Bern Leno? In my opinion, I'm not sure. And the reason I say that is because I haven't watched enough of Andre Onana and what I have seen of Andre Onana he looks like he's more comfortable with the ball at his feet, but he does look like he has a mistake in him from time to time, as do most goalkeepers of that profile, as do most goalkeepers who take the risks that Andre Onana takes. So I'm not sure how much of an upgrade he is on Bern Leno, but Bern Leno is someone whose future is not certain. Bern Leno is someone who's hinted that he might want to leave the club. I know he then came out and Squash those rumours. But prior to that, he'd hinted that he may be looking for a challenge elsewhere. Wouldn't be the first time Bern Leno's been linked away. And if you think about Bern Leno, you know, his age, he's obviously older than Andre Onana. If you think about his 
perhaps, or, you know, the, this desire that he might have to leave. And the fact that you could probably sell Burn Leno, sign Andre Onana, still be in profit, probably makes this a worthwhile deal. Some of you asking in the chat, what does this mean about Burn Leno? And obviously there's no guarantee that Burn Leno is going to leave the club now this summer. But it does feel like if you were to sign Andre Onana, is he going to join Arsenal on the premise that he's going to come in and be the second choice goalkeeper? I'm not sure about that. I feel as though if Andre Onana is going to come in, it does pretty much open the door for Burn Leno to leave. Now, whether a suitable offer will come in for the German, whether an offer that we feel as supporters matches Burn Leno's valuation remains to be seen. But I just wonder if there have already been talks behind the scenes between Burn Leno, his representatives and the club with regards to his future. And that is why Arsenal are actively pursuing another goalkeeper in the mould of a number one. Because if that wasn't the case, you could easily go and sign Matt Ryan for next to nothing, bring him in. I'm sure he'd demand less in wages. He's already adapted to the Premier League. He's already living in the UK. He's already been at the club. So the Onana signing, you know, it, it, it's, it, it feels to me like it is part of a bigger overhaul in the goalkeeping area. And that probably involves Bern Leno uh, leaving the club. I'm not going to sit here and, and discuss Bern Leno's Arsenal career to date on this podcast because if it does come to the point where it looks like a move is away, then we'll do that. Then we'll look back on what Bern Leno did, um, you know, and how Bern Leno fared. I don't think Bern Leno is a bad goalkeeper, but I don't think he's a brilliant goalkeeper either. So for me, it's kind of neither here nor there. If Onana represents an upgrade and allows us to play in the way that Mikel Arteta wants us to play uh, with a little bit more fluidity, with less issues, then I'm OK with it. And I'm pretty happy. Uh, for those deals to go through. But as I say, nothing's done just yet. So we're going to have to remain patient. But now that the Court of Arbitration for Sport have revealed uh, that Andre Onana's ban has been cut down from 12 months to nine months, I think this deal becomes a lot more feasible and this deal becomes a lot more appealing to the Arsenal. Now, Andre Onana, as I said, will be eligible to start training again in September. But as I also mentioned, he will not be able to play competitive football until November. So what does that mean if Bern Leno does leave for the start of the season? Well, Arsenal need to bloody go and get Matt Ryan in then or somebody else of that mould because the last thing I want to see is uh, is Alex Runarsson starting the season for Arsenal. It would feel like Mikel Arteta will be putting himself under incredible pressure at the start of a campaign where he's already going to be under pressure by playing a goalkeeper that everybody knows is just not up to it. It's just not up to the standard required. So, um, you know, if this goalkeeping or if the goalkeeping position is going to have a massive overhaul this summer, then it all needs to be done in a way that accommodates the fact that Andre Onana is, of course, banned until November. If you bring me Matt Ryan and you bring me Andre Onana, and you sell Burn Leno and you still come out with money on top, which you should in theory, then actually I think that's quite smart business from Arsenal Football Club. Um, but smart business um, is not something we normally associate with Arsenal Football Club. So let's wait until it happens. Let's wait until it comes to fruition and then we can, uh, you know, we can jump to that conclusion. Then we can or, or make that conclusion, I should say. So let's see. Let me know what you guys think in the chat about the subject. Are you? Would you be happy to see Andre Onana come into the club? Would you be happy 
to see Bern Leno. So is Matt Ryan good enough to deputise and lead us essentially, or, or, you know, not lead us, but be our number one goalkeeper uh, for the first couple of months of the season, first three months of the season in the event uh, that Bern Leno does leave. What are your thoughts on the whole thing? Let me know in the live chat box. Uh, big shout out to everybody who's watching us live at the moment. And of course, to those of you watching this back on a replay or those of you listening via the audio platforms, if you wouldn't mind uh, hitting that like button, it really, really does help. And if you could feel free to check out our Euro daily content. We dropped the first video this morning. It was a live stream. There's another one coming to you guys tomorrow morning. Where we'll be looking ahead to the tournament opener between Italy and and Turkey, very much looking forward uh, to sharing that one with you. So get involved uh, in that content. It really, really does help me and it will help the channel tick over during the European Championships. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Um, also, I just wanted to address um, the Matteo Genduzzi tweet. I know uh, there was a bit of discussion that it might be a farewell uh, to Arsenal tweet. It's not. It's a farewell tweet by the looks of it. Uh, to Hertha Berlin. Uh, Matteo Genduzzi's put a video compilation of himself playing for the Bundesliga outfit and he's put the following caption. To new beginnings, a difficult day arrives. This one, the day to say goodbye to an entire institution for which I had the immense privilege and honour to play football and defend its blazon in an extraordinary championship made of professionalism and humility. Uh, so there you go. Matteo Genduzzi saying goodbye to Hertha Berlin. Well, we knew he wasn't going to be there next season anyway, but still no news of a deal uh, taking Matteo Genduzzi over to Marseille, although we do expect that to happen in the next, well, in the coming days or weeks. Hopefully it doesn't take that long because we need to get moving with our business. Um also, I talked about it earlier on today that the Granite Xhaka thing is moving forward and there is a hope amongst all the camps that that will be done prior to Switzerland's opening game of the tournament, which, which takes place on Saturday when they face Wales in Baku. Uh, Granite Xhaka is the Swiss captain, so I'm sure he'll want that done and dusted. But if it has to wait a, a few more days, then so be it. Arsenal aren't going to move for a replacement until that deal is done, you feel, because of the money that it's going to bring in. I think. Uh, 18 to 20 million euros was the quoted figure, which I still think is not enough, but that's another debate for another day. Uh, let's see uh, what you guys are saying in the chat box. Um, Brad Richardson says, we need a good number two, as Onana will be in the African Cup of Nations. Is that going ahead? Because there were rumours that it was going to be called off. Um, so that is still in the balance from what I understand. Um, with regards to the African Cup of Nations. And, and I think that would, would have an impact on many teams' transfer business because they'd have been looking at players and maybe been put off by some due to the fact that they're going to lose them for a month in the middle of the season or could potentially lose them for a month in the middle of the season. So if that is cancelled, I think that probably does change the plans of a few teams. Uh, Fatality says uh, they better get decent money for Leno then. What did we pay for him? $25 million, wasn't it? Are we going to break even? You can't expect to break even, though, on a goalkeeper that you've had for, what, three years? Is it three years? He's 29 years old now. We signed him in July 2018 for £22.5 million. So that's three years ago. He's three years older. You can't expect to break even 
If you do break even, great. But if we got 20 million pounds, I'd be happy with that. Even if we got 18 million pounds, I still think that is a reasonable figure. And I keep going back to what I've been saying throughout the last few days. For some reason, there is this expectation out there that Arsenal are going to be able to bring in huge sums of money for players that we're trying to move on. And it's just not going to happen. I think that Berlino nowadays is worth about £18 million. You've got to think when we signed him, mate, he was 26. He's now 29, which means he's further along. He's got less shelf life, if you like. He's not been great either. Why would someone want to pay in excess of what we paid previously? So if you've had three years of service of the guy, off the guy, but you still managed to make most of your money back, I think that's good, good business. Looking at transfer marked valuation, and again, you know, I know these aren't gospel, but they're looking at nineteen million pounds. So my valuation is not far off of that. Um, Tony Flower says Ryan is a better goalkeeper than Leno. I think a lot of people feel that way. I'm not so sure that he is overall because I think it's very difficult to make that call given that we've seen very little of Matt Ryan. And I think if you do, if you play every week, obviously you're more susceptible to mistakes. Obviously, um, then when you do make those mistakes, that they're going to be highlighted more. Um, going back to the Matteo Guendouzi thing, Matt says, it's kind of funny, to be honest. Got to just laugh at this point when it comes to Guendouzi. Yeah, he's, he's put this really emotional goodbye um, to her to Berlin as if he was like a, a hero of her to Berlin. Don't think he played that well there, if I'm honest. He done OK, but that was it. Uh, Brad says it's uh, sad to see a young player like Matteo ruining his career. Um, double uh, DBS LBU. I'm not sure how I'm supposed to say that. Says Guendouzi comes across as a pretentious <laughs> so-and-so. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think I think a lot of people feel that way with regards to Matteo Guendouzi. Um, uh, Xander says in response to my comments about the African Cup of Nations that Cameroon have said they are ready and no issues. They have no issues about hosting it. Yeah, but we heard that about the Copa America all the way along. Argentina were going to host it joint with Colombia. And now none of them are hosting it uh, because obviously it's, it's a while away and there's still potential for the situation regarding the pandemic to change drastically. So, you know, they say it's going ahead, just like Argentina said they were going to host the Copa America, just like Colombia said they were going to host the Copa America. Neither of them are doing so now. So it is a fluid situation that we need to keep our eyes on. Um, Matt says, Harry, do you know how close we actually are to signing Onana? Have we put in a bid? From what I gather, we haven't actually put in a bid yet, but discussions have taken place between Arsenal and Ajax, preliminary discussions. Um, from what I know, it seems like this deal is, it is a goer. It seems like many of these teams, uh, sorry, many of the people involved or, or the people close to it, I should say, uh, in the media are really kind of building this up and, and they're saying that it's almost a done deal, that it's very likely to happen this summer. I think now what remains is 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 the thrashing out of the, the transfer fee. And we know that Ajax are going to try and do as much as they possibly can. But at the end of the day, we're signing a player who's currently serving their drugs ban and has one year remaining on his Ajax contract. So we're in the power position here. So if the fee is right, then I think Arsenal should do it. And I think Arsenal will do it. Um, my hunch, based on what I've read, based on what I've heard, based on what 
Um, I've been told is that this is a, a very uh, likely transfer to take place over the course of the summer. But as far as I'm aware, as things stand, no official bid has gone in yet. Just discussions have taken place between the clubs and, of course, between the player and uh, the players' representatives and the clubs. Uh, what else have we got here? Um, let's pick out a couple more and then uh, get your questions in on any other subjects as well. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes remaining of the stream. So uh, get in uh, whatever it is that you want to you wanna ask and we'll, we'll attack those questions. Uh, going back to Onana, Neil says that we should, 6 million is the max that we should be paying. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I, I think around about that figure. Look, I think if we could get Andre Onana for something in the region of eight million pounds, that would be good business. If it's less, great. Um, but eight to ten million pounds is 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 my maximum anyway. Uh Percy Beck says, Harry, your thoughts on Chelsea going for Haaland and Hakimi. Well, I, I didn't really understand the Hakimi thing. I was walking back from the train station yesterday when that news broke. And it literally popped up on my phone. And I remember thinking, they've got Reese James. You know, why are they so desperate to add another right wing back to the picture? And then I thought about it and I thought maybe in Thomas Tuchel's mind, he's looking to replace um, Cesar Azpilicueta. And perhaps Thomas Tuchel sees Reese James's future as the right-sided centre-back. He has done that a few times uh, in the last few months. He's squeezed him in. Uh, to those positions. And, and Reese James has done quite well in that position. And if that is to be the case, if Reese James is going to play as the right centre-back for Chelsea moving forward, then of course that does open them up to bringing in a right wing-back. And maybe that's the way that Thomas Tuchel's looking at it. But that's the only thing I can think of with that. With Haaland, well, he's a top striker and Chelsea need a top striker. It's as simple as that. There are very few clubs in world football that have the financial muscle and power to be able to do a deal like that. And Chelsea are certainly one of them. Whether they will or not remains to be seen. I've got a sneaky suspicion, though, that Haaland stays at Dortmund just for one more season. And that deal uh, taking him away uh, from, from the uh, Bundesliga will probably happen next summer. That's just my feeling. Uh, let's pick up a couple more bits. Um, Chef CG says, is it true that Matt Ginter and Julian Brand are on the radar? I've heard those names banded about. Don't know how concrete the interest is. Don't know if it is concrete at all uh, would be my answer on that. But we've spoken about Julian Brandt on this show before, and he's certainly someone that Arsenal have been at least credited with an interest in. How real it is, um, I'm not sure. Uh, what else have we got? Let's see. Uh, Gray says, how can we trust the people running the club when last season we could have sold Leno for more money and kept Emmy Martinez? How do you know we could have sold Burn Leno for more money? To my knowledge, no actual offer came in for Burn Leno. And that was partly why Arsenal decided to sell Emmy Martinez. Now, Emmy Martinez, we've been over this a few times, but Emmy Martinez was told that he would be able to compete for the number one spot at Arsenal if he stayed. He didn't want to stay. He didn't want that. He didn't want to be at Arsenal Football Club without the guarantee of being the number one. And at the time, let's be honest, like as good as Martinez was, he'd been good for 10, 11 games at the back end of a season. And Bern Leno had been good for two seasons. So if I was Mikel Arteta, I probably would have gone the same way on that one. But the thing is that there was no offer for Bern Leno. 
The offer came in for Martinez. And once Martinez's head was turned and the prospect of being a, a, a Premier League number one, an outright Premier League number one, was what um, w- was what appealed to Emmy Martinez. Arsenal needed money as well. And it just made sense for all parties. I, I, I'm sick of this whole Martinez and Leno debate. If Leno came in, uh, sorry, if somebody came in with the same offer for Burn Leno and the club went, well, we've got two offers on the table here, one for Burn Leno and one for Emmy Martinez, exactly the same valuation. I'm not sure who my number one was going to be. And Mikel made the choice that way. Then you'd say, fine, maybe we got it wrong. But that wasn't the case. To my knowledge, there was no concrete offer for Burn Leno last summer. So we needed to raise funds Neither of those goalkeepers would have been happy playing second fiddle to the other. And therefore, one of them had to go. We had to sell one. We had to raise money. And it was Martinez. And Martinez has done okay, uh, to be fair, um, at Aston Villa. But there have been moments where he's looked a bit shaky. He has made mistakes as well. And it feels like because everybody's so obsessed with this whole Martinez-Leno thing and everybody wants to fight and argue about it, that they just completely ignore that and overlook those errors. So, yeah. Long way of saying it, but there wasn't a decision to be made, i.e. there wasn't an offer for Leno, which meant Arsenal had a choice in which one they sold. Uh, let's see what else we've got here. Um, let me pick up one more. I'm going to pick up one more. Uh, Xander says the fact Ajax are not willing to give Onana another contract and the player doesn't want to stay. Does that put Ajax in a poor position to negotiate? It absolutely does. Ajax are negotiating in this one from a really weak position. And that is why we're talking about a player who's valued um, as again, as I say, by transfer mark, that's something like just shy of 30 million pounds, but we feel could be available for around about the six to eight million pound mark. So uh, yeah. There we go. Uh, Neil D'Souza, I'm going to pick up this one lastly. I know I said that was going to be the last one, but I'll just take this one as well. Are we really so broke that we need to sell before buying? I genuinely think we are. Um, I genuinely think we are. And, um, you know, it's not an ideal situation. And this decline that we're in has been building for years and years and years. But Arsenal simply are going to have to sell players to bring players in. I think there will be some investment from the club. But when the club's not even turning a profit anymore, how how much of an investment can we expect? Unless the Cronkies, like many other owners across the country do, put their hands in their own pockets and help the club along. The problem is that I don't see that happening. So as things stand right now, I think we do have to sell to buy. I think when you look back at last summer, we had two phases to the window, if you remember. The first phase was get rid And the second phase was bring people in. It was like that in January as well. Arsenal looked to get rid of people at the beginning and then towards the end, they brought a couple of signings in. That's the way to do it. It's the only way to do it, unfortunately, because of our situation. You have to sell um, and then you have to buy. And and that's the way it's going to be. So we're in the first phase of the window still, in my opinion. You know, the window only opened yesterday or the day before. So we've got we've got time. so no need to panic yet, but it does look um, it does look quite worrying at the moment. It does look at the moment uh, that we are struggling. Um, it does look like we are, you know, going to have a, a difficult summer. And, and unless something major changes, I can't see that that 
changing. You know, it's it's worrying. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. And as I say, I think that the club are going to try and operate the window in uh, in two phases. The first to to move people on, and the second to bring people in to replace those players. And you can only really bring people in when you know what you've got to work with. And of course, that is dependent on the sales. So uh, let's let's see how that goes. But um, yeah. Great questions. As always, let's quickly check in where we're at on the likes. I can see there's over 200 of you watching us right now on the live stream. Uh, what have we got, though, in terms of likes? Well, right now we're on 54. Surely we can get that to 100 by the time the outro plays. It doesn't cost a thing. It really, really helps. Um, and I'd love you guys to just smash that like button and support me uh, as I continue to keep you across all the Arsenal transfer news uh, as well as the European Championships, which kick off tomorrow. And I can't bloody wait. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Click on the link in the description uh, if you uh, want to become a member. And uh, we've spent the whole podcast talking about what what we can and maybe will and can't and maybe cannot do if that even makes sense, but you know what I'm trying to say. Um, I've taken a lot of abuse on Twitter today because I bought the new Arsenal away shirt. Um, but look, if we need to sell to buy, we need to sell some of them shirts. <laughs> and by the way, it doesn't make me, um, it doesn't make me uh, in with the Cronkies because I bought a shirt and my 60 quid is not enough. I don't think for Stan Cronkie to say, well, there's my last 60 quid. Now I'll uh, just bat away. Uh, Daniel X last bid uh, of in excess of two million pounds because uh, two billion pounds, I should say, because Harry bought a shirt or because a few others bought a shirt. Um, it's just amazing how people get so triggered on social media about things that simply don't fucking concern them. But anyway, I'll catch you all later. Until next time, take care of yourself. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to...